Hey, it's me, John. Real quick, before we get to the episode, I wanted to plug a quick item that is now available for sale on Amazon.com. I made a movie journal so that you can log your movies analog style. Let's say you're not feeling the whole letterboxed thing or doing stuff on your phone. I created a book called My Year in Movies, 365 Pages of Cinematic Exploration. It is a perfect gift for the cinephile in your family or maybe yourself. Each page is to represent one movie throughout a year of movie watching, and uh, there's a space to write down your notes, who you watched the movie with, how you watched it, and also a little spot to uh, attach your ticket stub if you saw it in a theater. So check out the link. It's on our link tree in this show's description, and I would really appreciate it if you bought it. It would help support the show. And now, on with the show. I have to confess that I've never let the children watch a hockey game. I have a theory that children imitate what they see on a TV screen. They see violence, they'll become violent. They see someone stick up a bank, they'll stick up a bank. Heroin, you name it. You're fucked. What? You are totally fucked. You're garbage for letting us all go down the drain. Are you serious? You could sell us. We're hot. People go nuts for us. You could find a buyer. Sequel. Re re reboot. Which one will it be? It's the Ruined Childhood Podcast. Greetings, Starfighters! Thank you for tuning in to Ruined Childhoods, your favorite podcast about movies and how those movies could be revived and brought back in some way, shape, or form. Perhaps you know that because you're a subscriber, or maybe you're joining us for the first time because you are a fan of Slapshot. Or you just love us. You just can't get enough. Yeah. Of our voices. No, either you're like, I will listen to you talk about any movie whatsoever, or you're just, you're, you're sliding on in for the slap shot. Sliding on in. We're happy to have you. Dan, have you ever ice skated before? I, I have a hard time picturing you on ice skates. Oh, as well you should. <laughs> I had a hard time being on ice skates the one time that I attempted ice skating. I've seen you on roller skates, but maybe not inline skates. Oh, I would say, I mean, have you seen me on roller skates? Were you not on roller skates at your daughter's birthday party? I was not. <laughs> then maybe I haven't seen you on roller skates. No. Then I have I have never seen you glide. I have never glided glidden. My glidden. feet my feet were not <laughs> made to have a blade or wheels or a blade of wheels or blade of steel. Just a sole some toes, and a heel. Uh, <laughs> there we go. I'm seucing it up a little bit tonight. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, John, uh, yeah, no, not me. How about you? You a uh, skater or a hater? You know, I've, I've, I've been on a rink or two in my life, but it's certainly not been a a thing. You were, uh, you were on the roller skates at my daughter's birthday party. Oh, for all of like 15 seconds. That's 15 more seconds than I was on. Yeah, I mean, they were a harrowing 15 seconds. I think I went around the rink once just because it was like, I've got these things on me. May as well give it a go. And when I was a 
I guess a a tween, maybe even younger, that's when the like rollerblade craze was hitting the nation. And so I messed with those a little bit. I do have a vague me- recollection of that. Yeah, clicking those, clicking those onto my feet. Yeah. But ice skating, uh, you know, w- less, less so. But I always enjoyed going to hockey games. Yes. Growing up, I mean, well, for those who don't know, Dan and I are brothers. We grew up in the same household with the same parents, one of whom would enjoy going to New Jersey Devils games. We grew up in New Jersey. And so I went to a, a handful of New Jersey Devils games. Did you not? I only I only remember going to one. Okay. It was awesome. I had a great time. And I mean, I feel yeah. like it, it's maybe five times at most. At most. And Four more times uh, what, I re- what I remember is getting like a souvenir puck and some like Carvel ice cream. (laughs) That's what I remember about it. Well, I mean, I also enjoyed going to the hockey games and I also went and saw an Anaheim Ducks game when I was living in LA once, but yeah, you kind of have to, you know, it's a, you don't have to make the pilgrimage to the pond, you know, you know, salute Gordon coach Bombay, Gordon Bombay, the gin King. Yeah, seriously. Um, anyway, uh, that's for another episode. Well, well, anyway, before we get too, too deep into, uh, wrong hockey movie, wrong hockey movie, mighty. Yeah. Before we talk about that anyway, let's talk a little, we have a few more things that we wanted to mention about Popeye. Well, actually, yeah. well, I'll say this. Uh, my One of my things isn't even about Popeye. It's about our Popeye episode. I, As I was editing, I wanted to make sure that it was clear because I don't think that it was clear as we were talking about the movie Bullet Train because you had watched that movie prior to us recording the Popeye episode. I want to make it clear that we don't think that Guy Ritchie directed Bullet Train. No. It's just that it has that Guy Ritchie vibe to it. Yes. Though it is a David Leach directed film okay yeah there we go yeah awesome and the other thought that i had was that i was surprised that uh we didn't have more overlapping conversation oh. <laughs> in our episode right. well, well there that's were because times there was only you having a oh i thought you were yeah. gonna keep going so we'd be there were more times there were more times than i thought that there would be right because but and it i did consider you manufacturing it side. happening at and one if time i had or somebody coming in on my side and then those conversations wouldn't were that happening. have been such a robert so altman-esque right it's altman-esque right Okay, oh, God, so so what what do you have? What do you have? What are your one more things about the Popeye episode? All right, well, first of all, um, I guess we'll we'll segue uh, into the Altman comment because we talked about some of the parallels, uh, connections between Popeye and Annie. I think maybe only glazed over the choice of uh, that Annie was directed by John Huston and this was directed mm. by Robert Altman. So like known kind of like mavericks, not. This is not, you know, uh, Rob Marshall directing a movie musical, which just makes sense because Rob Marshall was, you know, Broadway choreographer before directing films such as Chicago. So it's it's interesting that not only is like Popeye kind of the 
product of the loss of the bidding war for Annie, but it's also like, we're going to hire these renegade, like my way or the highway directors. I think Houston was more of the tough guy version of that mm-hmm. directing Annie. And also there's just the fact that like John Houston, also his role in Chinatown just makes it uh, weird that he directed Annie, but uh-huh. it made me think about like, okay, so If they were remaking it and if we were like, you know, doing a remake like in that tradition, who would be the asynchronatic director that you would hire? I was like the first three names that popped to my mind were Aronofsky, Astor and Eggers. (laughs) Well, I was going to say uh, Aronofsky, maybe Paul Thomas Anderson. I well, I think that well, he that would and, be, and Robert Altman have so many parallels yes. anyway. But yeah, I think that your your analysis is probably spot on. I feel like that would be much more in keeping. Like an obvious choice, I feel like would be like a Taika Waititi. He seems like he would really nail a Popeye movie. He would definitely make a fun Popeye movie. Yeah. But he kind of he feels like the obvious, like an obvious safe, safe choice as opposed to someone like an Altman or a Houston. And then with Aronofsky, actually, my I have a one more thing about The Whale. And that was just kind yeah. of a, another another film that it reminded me of in many ways was Leaving Las Vegas. And mm. I think I neglected to mention that when I was talking about The Whale. But well, you you know what it also reminds me of is uh, Point Break, because I'm pretty sure he ate two meatball subs. (laughs) Two! Give me two. I think I referenced that in the last episode, but in a different way. Yeah, he like ate two meatball subs wrapped in a pizza. Yeah. God, he he earned that Oscar. It was his version of Leonardo DiCaprio fighting a bear in The Revenant. What more must I do for an Oscar? I'll fight this bear. All right. Um, a couple more things on Popeye. And then I'm pretty sure that this has been already done as like a parody. I know I've seen like a couple of like fake posters done, but like uh, like the gritty, realistic origin story of Popeye, not the story of the actual person who Popeye was based on. Right. I'm not saying they should seriously do it. It sounds like I mean, it's an SNL sketch. I mean, it like that they've pretty much done already, but like the gritty realistic origin story of Popeye. It's there's no way to do it where it's not parody. No. It, yeah. It's super fun. And and I was even thinking about it because uh, the other day I did see the new uh, Wes Anderson movie, Asteroid City, which I liked more than I thought I was going to. Okay. Uh, Cause I didn't like the, the French dispatch mm. and watching Asteroid City I, I found myself enjoying it uh, a lot. And uh, of course, it has become so en vogue to do your Wes Anderson style parodies of things. And it got me thinking about like, well, what would a Wes Anderson style Popeye movie be like? And I thought kind of more about like Fantastic Mr. Fox and his stop motion work and Isle of Dogs. Oh, yeah. Thinking like, you know, stop motion would actually be really fun for Popeye and uh, to do it with Wes Anderson, that's the only way that I could see that really working. Because I think that when when it's a property that, you know, has its origins in like the 20s and 30s, mm-hmm. you need somebody who's kind of trapped in a different time yeah. to do it. <laughs> also, I think doing it animated would give him... More flexibility, this is going to sound so weird, but more flexibility in casting his 
cast of actors like Adrian Brody would not play like Bluto in a live action Popeye, but he might very no. well voice Bluto in the Wes Anderson Popeye. Well, somebody who could also play Bluto in a uh, live action and also voice Bluto in a stop motion animated in the Wes Anderson players, or at least was in French Dispatch, would be uh, Benicio del Toro. Oh, yeah. Because I was watching uh, French Dispatch and I was just like, that's Bluto. Damn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then because I don't want to spend the whole episode talking about Popeye, I mean, I could. But also just wanted to kind of come back to the music because I remember you were talking about the demos and I went back yeah. and listened to a lot of them. Oh, and I yeah. mean was the song that really caught me. Uh-huh. And I have to say, like, I posted about the Popeye episode on social media and, you know, there was a couple of comments and like one of them regarding the music and not not kind about the music, which I just have to say, like, listening to these demos and really hearing the lyrics was yeah. like, damn, like either I'm reading way too much into this or like he writes in I mean there's the there's a verse where Bluto sings about having a dream where he beats himself up. And I'm like, <laughs> damn it. Like if like an analyst would just like be taking would be sitting there and just like listening. Um, But also the interesting, the odd lyrics. And it was funny because I remember reading in the trivia that like this was the technically the first like Disney movie to have profanity in it, which I thought was oh. referencing Hall ass, which uh, Pappy, right, yeah, the yeah. Commodore, just yells Hall ass a lot. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I didn't hear, and I didn't hear it in the song. But there's a lyric, and maybe it's not in the the film version, but in the demo version, where Bluto says he's meaner than shit. I mean, you know what I mean. I mean that I mean. I mean what I say. You know what I mean. I'm meaner than spit. I'm meaner than shit. I'm meaner than mean. And uh, the lyrics for the part that you were referencing before was, I'm so mean, I had a dream of beating myself up. I broke my nose. I broke my hand. I wrestled myself to the ground. And then I choked I choked myself to death, then broke the choke and woke up. That's how mean I'm mean I'm mean. I mean, that's fucked up. Like, <laughs> yeah. But to me, I hear that and I'm like, someone like Harry Nilsson could have easily just turned out a couple of like shanties and you know character songs but i love this depth that he adds and it's not just in that song but that was the one where it really yeah got I, me also and for anybody who didn't listen to the last episode we're talking about the Harry Nilsson uh soundtrack to the Popeye movie from 1980 and uh, there is a, a a more recently released version that includes of the soundtrack. I mean, yeah, that includes a lot of the demos that he did, and uh, the one that really struck me is the one where uh, Shelley Duvall is recording the "He Needs Me" mm -hmm. song. Yeah, which now that I've heard that song in that soundtrack, yeah. the way that they did it, because it's you know them doing a couple takes of it, and it's very real. And it makes me really appreciate that song. And looking at the lyrics, you know, it starts all at once. I knew, I knew at once, I knew he needed me. And it, the, the like sing-songy way, the bounce that it has, the cadence that it has, mm. the way that Shelley Duvall sings it is so perfect. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. I listened to that one as well. And just, yeah. I, I just, I also enjoyed hearing Nielsen 
directing the the other musicians yep. all like you know extremely accomplished uh musicians so yeah i can just picture him wearing his rca cap <laughs> in the studio but i mean it's also like these demos are especially because the kind of idea the image is that you know, he was just a washed up coked up alcoholic but on these demos, he just he sounds very lucid, very in control, yeah. and very much like he knows exactly how these songs should sound. And yeah. I, again, in reflecting on it, just feel they were perfect for this version of of Popeye. Yeah. And Dan, I don't know if you have any more one more things. I have no, no more things. Well, all I'll say is you know we we also talked a little bit about uh, the incredible Paul Dooley. And and his uh, appearance as Wimpy, and here's our connection. Paul Dooley's in Slapshot. Wow, it's kind of like it's kind of like a relay race, and Stephen Root handed the baton to Paul Dooley. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Yeah, although n- uh, neither will appear in in the next film that we talk about. So no, I don't but- suppose we're gonna have any. Uh- Direct connections, uh, but we'll get to that anyway. When we yeah, get to that. yeah. So yeah, so uh, Paul Dooley is uh, an announcer, like a radio announcer. Yeah. very briefly in Slapshot. Yeah, yeah. He he's in there, and it's it's just enough for you to be. Like, That's hey, it's Paul Dooley. Yeah. So Dan, uh, are you a Slapshot fan? Uh, I'm gonna say no. Okay. Are you all right? Um, I have seen it before and it's one that I've always been a little unsure about because I feel like I have a hard time paying attention to it. It's not a story that really grips me, but on my most recent watch, and there were a couple of recent watches because I put it on once and I was just like, it's not keeping my focus. I can't watch it right now. Yeah. And I watched it again. And I watched it going into it, having done a little bit of reading about it and reading about, you know, Nancy Dowd, who wrote it. And and first of all, the fact that a woman wrote it is an entirely in, like fascinating well, and it, aspect. It has to a it. lot to do with my hesitation behind my no. And I'm curious to know, I did not admittedly did not do much research I mean, I did like enough to know that she based it on her brother's experience. Sure. So, yeah, her brother, Ned Dowd, who's, you know, an entertainment industry <laughs> name as well. Uh, he was actually a player on the, the Johnstown Jets. And the Johnstown Jets was another minor league hockey team that the Chiefs were were based off of in, in Slapshot. And... Uh, Nancy had found a lot of his kind of like, I don't know if they were like diary entries or something like he had written about his experiences being on the Johnstown Jets. And she was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. And she wanted to develop the story about this. And the fact that like it comes from a place of truth uh, about this minor league hockey team in a very small steel town in western Pennsylvania. why don't i why don't i read the synopsis yeah oh also and this is this is a one more thing on the last episode as we were talking about doing slapshot on this episode we had never done a hockey movie before that is not true we did the cutting edge that's yes Uh, well (laughs) look there is hockey in it there are ice skates in it that is that is definitely the 
closest we have. Hey, that is that's the closest. The only yeah. other movie we've done that we could consider a hockey yeah. movie. You know, I think that time will come when we do Mighty Ducks. Yeah, I, I'd I'd love to. It's there's a lot to cover there. I can't think of other hockey movies, Goon, but I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. So here's a little synopsis. A small western Pennsylvania town is going through a financial crisis and its residents are unable to afford their favorite pastime, going to their local hockey team's games. With ticket sales down for Chiefs games and the team manager actively looking for a new job, the team coach and most senior player, Reggie Dunlop, relies on unusual tactics to encourage ticket sales, inciting fights turning the ice sport into a blood sport. He also starts a rumor that the team is to be sold to a retirement home in Florida, which only makes the players want to revolt even harder. The only exception being star player Ned Braden. Dunlop's plan works, and the Chiefs are more popular than ever. And clearly there's a whole lot more that goes on, but that's the gist of it. And the the violence is inspired by a trio of new players that the manager brings on. Uh, that the 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 Hanson brothers, and uh, they're played by Steve Carlson, Jeff Carlson, and David Hanson, and they are what you think of when you think of Slapshot. If you're right. not thinking of Paul Newman, right? And you're probably not thinking of uh, of uh, Michael Antkeen, no, of Twin Peaks no. fame. Uh, if you are, you thought about the others first. Yes, yes, you most certainly did. I mean the the imagery of them looking like Andrew WK, you know, all covered in blood and sweat. And it's, it's just, uh, it is the image of the movie. Yeah, absolutely. The Hanson brothers. I mean, it's a, you know, as, as much as you can consider a Paul Newman movie to be a cult film. Yeah. This definitely fits. So I guess my, you know, you know, what Slapshot, I kind of find it to be similar, like kind of structurally, tonally, to Caddyshack, where it's very uneven. It's like little vignettes. Yeah. Well, there are scenes in Slapshot that only seem to exist to entertain. And when it comes to how they drive the story forward, it, it's it's a lot to just set up a little thing. For example, you know, there's the scene where Paul Newman has slept with the wife of another team's player. And she's telling him all this information about how she's been sleeping with women. Yeah. There's no substance to that aside from the fact that it's leading to bait for him to encourage a fight. Right. But it's a very nice scene. I I think that there's a lot of really interesting conversation going on about uh, openness about homosexuality that is unexpected for a 1977 movie that's about hockey. Well, and there we go, because it does feel like this movie is much more about sexuality, mascu- about like masculinity and gender yeah. roles than it is about hockey. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot of uh, subplots revolving around the, re- the, the relationships of the hockey players mm-hmm. themselves. But whether it's kind of like the, uh, and I, I forget the actor's name. He's in so many things. I always think of him as the the father and prince of tides, the, <laughs> the Wingo's like abusive father. Um, oh God! But that guy, and like I want to say, I want to call him Chelsea Ross, but I know he's not Chelsea Ross. Um, 
But he, who did he who did he play? He's in this? always talking about sex and everything is everything always comes back to sex and he's got the porn up in his locker oh and everything brad sullivan brad sullivan he plays mo wanchuk okay yeah and he's just constantly talking about like sexual conquests or like what what like what he's quote-unquote done or what he would do and it's so much where it's like why is this guy like this guy's fix it he let me like why is he going into it so much so there's him and then there's michael onkeen's character who's had like no sexual relationship with his with his wife and yeah and, like their marriage i think is portrayed in a really interesting and very you know, probably realistic manner what's great about that character his wife being Lily, yeah, uh, who's played by Lindsay Krause, who's uh, married to David Mamet, Zosha Mamet's mother. Yes, yeah, and she is very bitter because they have moved to this small town for this hockey team, and she's extremely unhappy there. And uh, Reggie, Paul Newman's character, is kind of, I don't know, taking her in. Like they have a, I don't know, it's kind of like a father daughter relationship brother sister older brother younger sister yeah older brother younger sister yeah maybe feels more appropriate and he's kind of taking her in and is trying to help her out and even gets his separated wife they haven't divorced yet francine to kind of like towards the end kind of help her come out of her shell a little bit right yeah find herself yeah and i guess that inspires him to find himself yeah as everyone is is brawling on the ice in the you know in the end the the last big scene of the movie and he just starts to skate around and strip he does a strip tease yeah right down to his jock strap yes which is uh, you know it's it's fun and that's kind of brings everything he's the only one who doesn't really approve of the the violence and he just wants to play hockey. He's not there for the, you know, for all that stuff. He's there just to play hockey. And yeah, it kind of like he found the way to disrupt everything. And I'd have to watch it a few more times to kind of really get a feel for like, you know, what is going through his mind in that moment where he sees his wife, you know, she's dolled up, she's happy. What is going on in his mind? Right. Like, is it just because, like, she gets a makeover? And, you know, of course, there's the, you know, kind of heavy-handed irony of, you know, all of a sudden the violence stops and all these really violent people are like, get that, get that pervert off the ice. Well, I think that for him, it's less about the way that she looks and more about the way that she is looking. Is it like she's there you know, and she's her happy? glances. She's happy. She's watching everything going on. She looks over him and just gives him a quick little glance then looks back and is smiling and enjoying watching this spectacle. Which you don't see her enjoy herself uh, uh, throughout no. the movie up until this point. She's always yeah. drunk. Yeah, just generally And unhappy. complaining. Yeah. And driving very fast. Yeah, so then it kind of just le- lets him... Maybe say like, you know, nothing else matters and he strips down because it's not a sexual thing. I think it's liberation. Yeah. 
And this is where this movie kind of enters interesting uh, phase because the language it uses is really abrasive. Right. And, you know, really outdated would be canceled. Let's just say they use the F word that we're not willing to say. Correct. Very liberally. Fucking A. You know, they use that throughout, but it's also like it gets to the point where I'm like, is this movie more progressive than it feels? And is it just doing a really good job of showing that blue collar reality? I think that a word that we just mentioned that comes into play, I think that really is the core of this movie is liberation. And when you look at the women in this movie, you have the woman who actually owns the team, whose you know deceased husband owned it, and you know she is doing great. You know she is she owns this hockey team. She could take it or leave it. She is you know it's not really a big thing for her. She's got her own thing going on, and she's you know a, a woman on her own that's got her shit together. We have Reggie's wife. She's living her life. Yeah. You know, they're not divorced and Reggie's the one that's kind of pining for her, but also respects that she has her own thing going on. And then, of course, we have the the wife, uh, Melinda Dillon's character, uh, Suzanne Hanrahan, uh, who we would know from Close Encounters and uh, Absent of Malice. Prince of Tides. Christmas Story. She's in she's in Princess Prince of Tides. Prince of Tides. Yeah, she's in Prince of Tides. Well, she's uh fantastic. She's the one that he sleeps with who's and she's talking about how she's been kind of in this relationship with this woman and she explains how it started and how it's going and how it's making her feel and she's speaking about it with confidence and not self-conscious at all. And these are the women. I mean, Swoozy Kurtz's character. You know, it's like we have so many of these these women who are just really, I don't know, they're doing great. Yeah, like they're they're comfortable and, where they and, are. And uh, Lily Braden, uh, uh, Lindsay Crass's character, she gets to that point. Right. Yeah. I guess it's that element of taking control and just kind of saying like yes these are my choices and yeah this is my life this is what i'm doing yeah and the the men are just savage animals yeah for for the most part yeah they yeah, except for I, michael onkeen michael onkeen yeah right who's you know trying he's resisting it and he's trying to be the the voice of reason we have uh paul newman's character who's kind of being a bit of a puppet master and, and manipulating things in trying to take control of things, whereas in his personal life, he doesn't have control. Right, right. Of course, you know, the comparisons are obvious and warranted and everything. But of course, Major League takes a lot of cues from this movie. It, it kind of feels like Paul Newman's character is like the Tom Berenger character. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, he's the, you know, the elder statesman of the team. He's the voice of reason. And he's got his pursuit on the and he's kind of like steering the the team's, you know, yeah. mood and everything. Plus you've got like Charlie Sheen as Rick Vaughn with the glasses and everything, you know, like the fourth Hansen brother. 
Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And mind you, like, and if you heard our major league episode, I mean, you'll, you know, you know, that's a, I think that's a, that's a fun movie. I really like major league and I, I don't, I think David S. Ward himself, the writer and director of major league would happily and proudly admit to the, the influence of Slapshot on that film. Yeah. And, and Slapshot also comes a year after bad news bears. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, you know, we covered that. It's, you know, just another, on its surface level about a bunch of foul mouthed kids. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they're, that's an underdog and story. And they're, yeah. And they're a coach who doesn't care about anything. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that Slapshot and Bad News Bears kind of get bundled together in, in kind of like a, you know, slobby sports movies of the of the mid to late 70s yeah it was kind of a thing well and you know you've got the whether it's the cantankerous coach or and shout out by the way to struther martin the the team playing the team manager in this yeah also plays into the whole question of like evolving attitudes on sexuality because Reggie talks about, I guess, coming up to, to his apartment or his like hotel room ones to like, you know, give him something or get something from him. And like he walked in like the and Struther Martin's character was like, you know, wearing women's clothing. Yeah. And which prompts Reggie to just be like, hey, I don't care, you know, whatever. Yes. But it's almost like he's discovering this in the moment that like it is absolutely fine. And <laughs> And natural. Right. Well, and when Reggie is having that conversation in bed with Hanrahan's wife, yeah. you know, she asks him, have you ever considered maybe that you're gay? And he's he's speaking about it in a way that's like, the words are like, no, I would never. But the way he's saying it is like, He's processing it and he's being respectful to her about her story and her situation. Right. And he is just like, you know, of course it could happen, but it's just no, 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 no. It's not something I'd ever do. Right. Yeah. It's not homophobic. There's that element there in the film. But I think a lot of it it is also kind of exploring that at this time, people were starting to come around and and change their their stances and their their feelings about right uh be more open to the idea of sexuality yeah. being a spectrum yes exactly yeah. exactly oh i'm sorry it just occurred to me i had like another i did have another one more thing for popeye but i feel like it's it's, it's too late it's it is too late the time right. has passed right. anyway anyway ah oh, damn it all right okay so uh shout out to screenwriter jules pfeiffer there we go all right okay. so slapshot definitely has a lot going on and th- th- there's these th- it's like there's these elements of it and then you've got the the hansons like you know they brought their toys their suitcases that are just filled with toys which is just delightful yes yes <laughs> it, it's fantastic and i feel like it's like all the elements are there in this in this movie but they're, they're just they're not i feel for me the right balance yeah now uh you know just to kind of come back to nancy dowd because they're i in my limited research felt i also feel it's it's worth pointing out that even though like she was credited as the screenwriter for this yeah she wrote other screenplays that she either used a male 
uh, pseudonym. Oh, really? Yeah. Or she wrote them w- without credit. So uh, oh, yeah. she herself was credited for this and also 1978's Coming Home. Uh, John right. Voight, Jane Fonda. Hal Ashby. Stern. Yeah, Hal Ashby. Yeah. Right. But then she did uh, 78's uh, so Straight Time. North Dallas mm-hmm. 40, uh, like a pretty, uh, you know, raunchy football movie. Yeah, Nick Nolte. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so she does that. She uh, did work or wrote Ordinary People. Yep. Or did uncredited work on that. I mean, I'm just reading off her Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cloak and Dagger, the Dabney Coleman, Henry Thomas uh, kids. Oh, we like, love our Dabney Coleman. Well, we loved Cloak and Dagger because we watched 1980s HBO uh, and saw it a million times. <laughs> I don't know if I saw Cloak and Dagger. I saw it I, growing up. Definitely. Uh, you might, maybe you were a little, it might have been, it was early. But anyway, Swing Shift. Swing Shift. White Nights. Let it ride. So like a lot, uh, like interestingly, a lot of, you know, sports, let it ride is about uh, sports gambling. But so um, she wrote under the name Ernest Morton. Okay. Or Rob Morton. Huh, so I wonder what the significance is. She's credited as Rob Morton and Swing. I know, right? It's like, there's got to be some, there's got to be some reason she like yeah that's just there's gotta be too much and there's gotta be some intention in there and she got and she got the best uh the oscar for best original screenplay for coming home yeah yeah so it's not like her name has any sourness to it it makes me want to know more about nancy dowd of course yeah of course we have to mention that there is a slap shot two and a slap shot three i wasn't able to find either one of those I'll be honest, I didn't try. Okay, I I did as much as try. I'm just going to read the the synopsis for Slapshot 2, Breaking the Ice, real quick. Uh, If you also look at the, like, you know, poster art for these, which, first of all, these are just, like, straight to video, but you look at them and you're just like, oh, this is not the same. Uh, But I believe that they just all feature the Hanson brothers, and that's the the link and Stephen Baldwin no oh yeah the well, link the link yeah yes yeah. so uh okay slapshot two breaking the ice West Virginia's ice hockey team the Charlestown Chiefs is as fiery as ever so I guess they're in West Virginia now the new coach Sean Lydon Stephen Baldwin uh leads the rambunctious squad which includes the famed Hanson brothers through their victories and uh with little concern for their often violent tactics, or sorry, antics. But the team's approach is threatened when the club is bought by executive Richard Claremont, Gary Busey, who pressures them to throw games and tone down their tempers in exchange for money. Okay. And then for uh, Slapshot 3, the Junior League, the only synopsis that I'm going to read, the Hanson brothers return to get another team of underdog ice hockey skaters into shape and compete in a big tournament. So I don't even know if the Chiefs, I mean, there's a Chiefs uh, jersey on the the poster art, but that's, I don't know, probably as much as there is to it. Yeah. And you know, John, it's it's interesting. Um, It it occurred to me as as you're saying, you know, saying it was, you know, direct to video. And I think about our kind of like, you know, the way that that movies and releasing has changed in the last five years where like, 
straight to straight to video releases ha- have been best picture nominees. I'm like, yeah, the power of the dog was a uh, was was oh, straight yeah. to video, you know. Absolutely. So it's just interesting how how really streaming uh, has really transformed it. Where uh, and it, it, right. it's different because you know the these are also like you know Martin Scorsese's The Irishman straight to video. Um, yeah. You know, of course it's it's a different uh, it's a different pedigree now. But wow, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> Who would have thunk it? That's a great question. Speaking of thunking things dan what do you thunk what would you do as slapshot given the opportunity to do something new with it do something new well first of all i and maybe she's she's written it but i don't think so but i would love to read a memoir by nancy dowd sure yeah uh what would i do with slapshot um you know i i bet you you know, I, I you know I, I was gonna say HBO, and then I was like, no HBO Max, and then I was like Max, which by the way, it kind of depresses me that we've just taken the HBO out of it. But that's that's a whole other discussion. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I I don't want to say strictly them, but I feel like a good uh, it, it would it, it you could potentially do a fun streaming show with it, and the only reason why I like am am backing away from the Max thing. Is because it would be way too tempting to make it like a Jody Hill, Danny McBride project. Yeah. Which I feel like, you know, they kind of, they had Eastbound and Down. So I wouldn't want, I I wouldn't want, and I feel like if it's on that, if it's on that, like whatever network service, whatever the hell we're calling it now, it would kind of be that by default. Okay. You get what I'm saying? So like, yeah. I'm feeling like, you know, whether it's a, I mean, I know it's a universal film. Um, I don't know who has the rights now, but like I, an Apple, Apple TV, like an Apple TV. Cause it would be fun. And I would love to get some, like some good creative, like maybe celebrity fans of this movie who, and I know there are a lot, the only one I can think of right now who, who does have some, you know, writing experience, mostly in the comic world, is um, professional wrestler known as CM Punk, who also, I think he wrote, um, he run, wrote like a run, co-wrote a run of like the Thor comics or something like that. See, see, Dan, I thought you were going to say Kevin Smith, who's a hockey jersey enthusiast. Well, yes, yes. But also, I mean, Kevin Smith, yeah, I I feel like Though I wouldn't want to have Kevin Smith's slap shot. I don't know. Like, I feel like it would be fine, but I was just commenting on the fact that he wears hockey jerseys. Yes. Yes, he does. No, no, no. And, and like, you'd be a good choice, but like, you know, a, a series about a minor league hockey team in a, you know, struggling, you know, rust belt town unfortunately i you know i don't think the circumstances have changed that much where we don't have yeah you could do you could have something exist in the same uh universe as nomad land yeah you know that the town where francis mcdormand lived that doesn't even exist anymore because the industry shut down their local hockey team yeah i i mean not to make it i and i i guess you could make it you could maybe in a in the form of a series maybe better balance the 
comedy with the drama. Um, oh, you know who would be really good with that? What's the name of the person who adapted Fargo? Noah Hawley. I feel like, you know, no, I'm not saying like, oh, he's Did I say good. Francis McDormand and it unlocked something for you? You said, oh, oh, yeah, yeah. End of story. No, I was thinking like it would be, uh, it would be a fun series and uh, not that like we need to call on Noah Hawley, the do a creative adaptation of a, of a, you know, favorite film you know, we could do Jason Cadams as well, but I feel like this one needs to needs to be um R R rated. It is slapshot. So Yeah. Well, I think that a reason why Slapshot is a cult classic and Slapshot Two and Slapshot Three nobody's asking for to the point that they can't even be streamed anywhere. Is the fact that there's more to Slapshot than just violent hockey. Yeah. Because if you just want violent hockey, you've got that. And I think that that's where the aforementioned movie Goon comes into play. And if I remember correctly, that movie's Sean William Scott, and he gets drafted onto a hockey team because he's seen fighting really well. Yeah. 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 I, I, I saw it. A while ago. I remember enjoying it. I I wasn't crazy about it, but I, I get, I see, I understand the fandom for it. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that's like kind of the closest that it, it's reasonable to get to have a new, I mean, even that's what, 15 years old. Yeah. You know, another property about violence in hockey, which is a sport that is... It works because people can be violent in it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also like the tremendously graceful and wonderful skating. Right. But that's not why most people well, go to see hockey games. No. But again, I think that that's an element that with a series, and like you were saying, there's more to Slapshot than just violent yeah. hockey. With a series, you have more space to, you know, build out those characters and really get to, like, you know, who is Francine? You know, who where yeah. who is... Lily. Oh, you know, who would be good at I'm blanking on so many names today, but the actress from Barry. Um, although I feel like it's too similar to that role. Well, who played Sally? Sally, yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's 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 actually too similar. Well, because of the violence? No, no, no. I think I think Sarah Goldberg. I think just because she was very good in that role in Barry at like being mopey and like oh. miserable and taking her frustrations out on people. So, yeah. It's almost kind of like been there done that as, now that I'm thinking about it. Um Bill Hader actually would might be another person. I don't know what his, you know, feelings are about Slapshot, but he uh it's another person who I could see, you know, building a series out of this idea, this concept of you know, also mixing comedy and drama pretty deftly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you'd get to know the characters more. You'd actually get more hockey and actually, you know, maybe not like the violence and the whole like, you know, conflict between like, you know, are we pro wrestlers or are we athletes? Not that pro wrestlers aren't 
athletes. You've been bringing up pro wrestling on this podcast, I think, every episode for the past, like, 10 episodes. For the past, like, three years. No, no. There was a long time where it wasn't coming up, but it's been coming up a lot lately. I'm wondering, is this something that has come into your life in a greater way recently? Um, I, no, no, I don't, I don't think so. No, it's just, there's, I mean, a lot of, I mean, like CM Punk's Twitter handle was player coach. Like, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the, 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 his, you know, picture was Paul Newman in, in Slapshot, Uh you know, neither here nor there, but getting back to that, you know, that, that argument of violence. And I think Slapshot is very much focused on that because that's the plot and, Okay, we're going to, you know, get butts and seats and we're going to get, you know, a good sale for our team because we're going to be violent. And I feel like that could be an aspect of a series, but you could explore a lot of other issues and things that are also relevant to that, like kind of minor league sports Mm -hmm. situation that I know nothing about, really. So, yeah, I would watch the show. You would watch the show that you just pitched? I would probably watch it, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Depends. You know, not if it's on at the same time as wrestling. I don't know. Nope. Streaming doesn't matter anymore. All right. There you go. All right, John, what would you do? Well, there's two different directions that I would potentially go. Because in one way, I don't think that there's a world in which this movie uh, should really be remade. But I think that it would be great as a an add-on to a hockey video game to be able to play as the chiefs. Oh, (laughs) I think. And like that's and they're, you know, the fighting skills are the, you know, the higher up there or something, but, but to be able to, to play as the Hansons would be a lot of fun. I think that if I, if we were to go down like in a, in a route for a, a movie or a series, I think that to do something, if there's going to be something about hockey, not to do it about fighting, but to kind of do a bit of a reverse cutting edge and to make it about a hockey team that instead relies on fancy figure skating and fancy skating in general to improve ticket sales, to kind of make it more of a show to kind of give it a little bit more razzle dazzle and potentially even to use that as a tactic to distract the other team, uh, you know, with their fancy, fancy footwork. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Cause I think that also, you know, not that it was very different in 1977, but like we're, we're really oversaturated with violence and yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. to have something that doesn't include fighting, could be nice. No, in fact, it might be interesting if you because if you come in, if it's going to be called Slapshot, if you're coming into something, maybe you're coming into it with like, all right, the violence, like it, this shit has to stop. Yeah. And maybe we see that in that first season where they they're like, OK, well, we'll just play old fashioned hockey and like, OK, that's not interesting well, also, it's like the world outside is really upsetting and violent. And why would somebody watch a hockey game just to be exposed to more violence? Yeah. I don't know. 
Yeah. I, I'm not saying necessarily that it's a good idea, I but mean, it's it. kind of like the direct. I mean, honestly, I think that the video game route, including the Chiefs as playable characters in a in a hockey video game, kind of. I that's the I, way to I'd go. I'd be surprised if they haven't done it already. At least with the I Hansons. looked and I couldn't find anything. Let's see. Play as the Hanson brothers, NHL video game. I'm not seeing any of that. Wow. All right. Well, all right. There, there you go. 2K games. Are you listening? I'm looking here in popular culture. This is just the Wikipedia page for Hanson Brothers. Um, okay. The Cleveland Monsters of the American Hockey League employ a trio of Hanson lookalikes known as the Mullet Brothers, who sport long black hair and black rim glasses. The brothers shovel snow out of the net area area during breaks in full uniform and pads. Oh, here you go, Dan. ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling Characters, the Dudley Brothers, yeah. were based on the Hanson Brothers. Two members of the stable, Bubba Ray and Devon, who would later shed the comedic elements of the gimmick and go on to become a Dudley Boys with a Z tag team. At the June 2011 NHL Awards, the Hanson Brothers appeared in a spoof sketch based on the television series Pawn Stars, in which they try to sell the Stanley Cup to proprietor Rick Harrison at his pawn shop. That's pretty funny. In 2015, the Hanson brothers were inducted into the fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame. Wow. I like that. Uh, okay. In addition to the original film, Slapshot, all three actors replies that were... Okay, we already did that. A trio of <laughs> hockey players named... Wait, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Stop. Yes? I love that there is a fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame. I know. Fame. I was going to come back to that. Is there yeah. a physical location? I want to go. I am not seeing an address for this. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, let's just see. We ha- It doesn't look like there's been any inductees. Oh, okay. It started in 2013. 2014, we had Crash Davis, Bull Durham. Yeah. Ricky Wild Thing Vaughn and Roy Hobbs, the natural. Contributor was Harry Doyle, Major League. By, by uh, Bill Euchre. Bob Euchre. Bob Euchre, sorry. Uh, then 2015, we had Happy Gilmore. Reggie Dunlop from Slapshot, the Hanson Brothers. We had contributors were Carl Spackler, Caddyshack, uh, and Mr. Miyagi. Interesting. Uh, 2016 was Apollo Creed. Benny Rodriguez from The Sandlot. Mm-hmm. Charlie Conway from The Mighty Ducks. Uh, contributors were Chubbs Peterson from Happy Gilmore and Gordon Bombay from Mighty Ducks. Uh, what does it take to get Dottie Hinson into this Hall of Fame? I mean... Uh, well, I'll tell you what, Dan. Let me get to 2018, but first I get to 2017. Uh, we have Bobby Boucher from The Waterboy, Forrest Gump, Willie Mays Hayes. (laughs) Contributor was, uh, was Mickey Goldmill, Burgess Meredith's character in Rocky. And 2018, we have Daniel LaRusso, Dottie Hinson, and Paul Wrecking Crew, Burt Reynolds' character in The Longest mm-hmm. Yard. Uh, contributor was uh, Morris Buttermaker, Bad News Bears. It's interesting. And 2019, Clubber Lang. Okay. <laughs> uh, Fast Eddie Felson from The Hustler and Color of Money. Uh, so Paul Newman's in there a couple times. Adam uh, Sandler I- is in there several times. Bobby Boucher, Happy Gilmore, well, yeah. And well, and it's funny because also even though they put the 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 original Paul Wrecking crew in there, 
Adam Sandler played him in the remake of The Longest Yard. That's true. That's true. This is not honoring that iteration. No, I I, understand. So uh, I'm just going to quickly go through the rest of these. So it's also in 2019, we have Ivan Drago. And then we have the contributors were Coach from Cheers and Adrian Balboa. 2020 inductees were Al Bundy, Homer Simpson, and Johnny Lawrence of Cobra Kai. Uh, contributors were Jimmy Dugan of A League of Their Own okay. and The Gopher from Caddyshack. And 2021, we have Jake Taylor from Major League, Tom Berenger's character, Jimmy Chitwood from, of Hoosiers, and Sam Malone of Cheers. And then the contributors were Norman Dale of Hoosiers, Gene Hackman's character, and Polly from Rocky. 2022, we had Adonis Creed, Donnie, Michael B. Jordan, Lee from Enter the Dragon, and Ricky Bobby, Talladega Nights. And the contributors were Irv, Blit- uh, Irv Blitzer, John Candy's character from Cool Runnings, and John Kreese, the Karate Kid, played by Martin Cove, who I recently saw in an episode of Murder, She Murder, Wrote. Murder, She Wrote, yes. <laughs> and I guess there hasn't been a 2023 one yet, but um, mm, okay. voting in the Fictitious Athlete Hall of Fame is public. There are three rounds of voting each year, one preliminary vote to narrow the field, the second vote to refine the nominees, and a final vote to determine the inductees. And the criteria are the character must be a fictitious athlete or athlete supporting role appearing after 1970. In 2015, a veterans category was open, which accepts nominees from before 1970. I see. So there you go. So um, are we going to vote like coach from coach in like Craig T. Nelson? Was Craig T. Nelson a play? As a contributor. As a contributor. Perhaps we will see him in the uh, in the future for the fictitious athlete Hall of Fame. I think he should absolutely be in there. Who else should be in the fictitious athlete Hall of Fame that that we didn't hear? Ooh, that's a heavy question. We have so many incredible sports movies throughout time, but it's they're fictitious characters. So it's not like Rudy can be in it, right? Yeah, I think that a lot. You know, a problem is that so many of the uh, you know sports movies that we know and love either have been covered or they are real they're, people. They're real. Yeah. Yeah. Cause everyone, I'm like, Jake LaMotta. Nope. Jake LaMotta was real, real person. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm sure there's a lot more out there. I don't know. Uh, if you think, if you have a, a pick for the, uh, fictitious, fictitious, Fictional athlete. It's like fictitious, fictitious fictional, fictional athlete hall of fame. Uh, don't email them. Email us at ruinedchildhoodspod at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Oh, you know who I would like to see inducted this year is Cole Trickle. Cole Trickle? of Yeah, Days of Thunder. Yes. Right? Yes. Ab- absolutely. Um. Uh, interesting because John C. Riley is in Days of Thunder and Talladega Nights, which is just wonderful. It's beautiful. It's been around forever. Dan, why don't you tell everybody what movie that Paul Dooley is not in that we're going to be covering on the next episode? Okay. So our next episode from 1997, which does not feature Paul Dooley, is Event Horizon. Scary, spooky spaceships in space and scary. And Sam Neill, Lawrence Fishburne, Kathleen Quinlan, uh, Jolie Richardson Mm -hmm. is in there. Jason Isaacs. 
Jason Isaacs, yeah. And it may be uh, a little bit longer until we release the next episode. There's going to be some travel in our future. Yes. And uh, it may be a hot minute until we can record again. But don't worry. Event Horizon is next. Event Horizon. Event Horizon. Well, Dan, as you are uh, blazing down the streets of Charleston, Charlestown, Charlestown. with uh, with uh, with Lily Braden, going crazy fast. I wish you a good journey. As I do. Good journey. 